Welcome to episode 146 of Santa Mary After Dark. I am Jeremy. I'm Stephen. And this week, we're going to be going in and out of a West Virginia accent. Because what are we talking about this week? <laughs> we are talking about <laughs> The Box by Richard yes. Kelly. Yes, His Richard last Kelly. movie ever. Yes, unfor- unfortunately. In um, life. I think we're both... <laughs> I think we're both in agreement that, at least I would say, that he's probably one of my favorite directors. Uh, despite only making three films, um, his first two have had like a, a massive impact on my uh, life. I guess film. Well, I do have a Donnie Darko tattoo, but I was going to say, sure. I was going to say my film fandom, if you will. <laughs> Uh, Donnie Darko and Southland Tales are two of my favorite movies of all time. And Mm -hmm. then he made The Box in 2009, which is what we're discussing today. Um, We're kicking off the holiday season by uh, talking about Richard Kelly's Christmas film. And my intention with giving this movie more exposure is... uh, well, pretty much just to, to do that is to give this movie more exposure and hmm. give Richard Kelly's uh, filmography more exposure because I think, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, he's one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. And it's unfortunate that he hasn't made a movie since uh, 2009. So, yeah. Well, well, real quick, let me just say The Box uh, stars uh, Cameron Diaz, James Marsden, and Frank Langella. Uh, Holmes Osborne is in here uh, completing the Richard Kelly uh, trilogy. So he mm-hmm. was also M- Mr. Darko, and he was in Southland Tales, and obviously he's in the box. Uh, the the box it was an originated. Yes, um, the box originally was a short film, uh, or uh, sorry, a short story published in Playboy magazine in 1970. Uh, it was titled Button Button. The same plot where it, it was a little bit different there, but in the short story, it it's uh, like this family is offered $200,000 to push a button, but if they push the button, someone that they don't know will die. I guess, I guess the story is kind of... It, it's, it's kind of the movie, but the intention behind... The movie was to take the plot twist at the end of the story and see like how far you could go with it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I guess I'll spoil the, the plot twist in the short story, which is okay. that the, I, I guess it's implied that the wife and the husband who are forced to make this decision they don't re- they don't necessarily know each other and you know they kind of play with it in the in the film but it's implied that the husband w- is going to die because one of the final lines in the short story is uh you're dead no I'm kidding Arling- <laughs> is is Arlington Stewart saying something like 
oh, well, do you really know your husband or whatever? So it's implied that the husband right. is going to be the one, the one to right. die from the woman pushing the button. And it creates the question, like, do you really know your spouse, I guess, is what it's creating. It was also adapted into an episode of The Twilight Zone. The plot twist in the Twilight Zone episode is that, I guess, which is something they also mention in the movie, it's that it's emphasized at the end of the Twilight Zone episode that the next one to get the box is going to be someone that they don't know. So, ending of the episode would imply that I guess they're going to be the ones to die next, or one of them is going to be the one to die next. Okay, yeah. So oh, yeah, that's, they, um, that is kind of played in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they kind of took the best of both worlds for the movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, the movie also plays, like, they they have that small scene where it's like they kind of question whether they know each other, but then they kind of, like, quickly come to the realization that they do know each other, so that can't be what's going to happen mm-hmm. to them. But then they'd say that the next people to get the box will be someone that they don't know, so that kind of implies that they could be the next to die, and that's when they kind of backtrack. So, yeah, like I said, it's... That's- it's like the best of both worlds situation where it seems like Richard Kelly took both elements from uh, the, the short story and the twilight zone episode and kind of threw them in here as well as kind of doing his own Richard Kelly like thing. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we've established the plot of, Oh yeah, that was pretty uh, much a brief um, plot description. Yeah, we've established the plot, which is that a family is offered $1 million to push a button, but in return, someone in the world who they don't know will die. And that's kind of where it Mm -hmm. goes. But it totally goes off the rails at one point. And I think we could kind of walk through it and kind of figure out where it goes off the rails, because... I think this is pretty much hands down Richard Kelly's worst movie. And when I say that, I, I want to say that I really like this movie, but it is frustrating because I want to love this movie as much as I love his other two movies. Yeah. Uh, how, how did you feel about this? I feel the same way. Where it's like, I, I really they, like it, but it's not, it's worse than Tony Darko and Southland Tales, I think. And yeah. I think it becomes too much, like, probably a little over an hour in. Yeah. there. There's a point in here where they kind of, like, introduce, like, an extraterrestrial being, and it just gets way too over the top. And it takes, like, such a simple concept and tries to do, like, this massive sci-fi world. But it's, like... It doesn't really pay off. Like, I, I respect the ambition behind it. I respect, like, taking such a basic story and adding your own yeah. kind of flair to it and, like, all these extra layers, but I don't necessarily think it works very well. And a lot of it is, like, 
things that aren't explained very well and or at all you're, yeah you're kind of left like us where it's like well what like what possibly could have could that mean like spoiler alert we don't see who Arlington Stewart's employers are no. and they're mentioned they're mentioned so often in the movie that it feels like there should be a payoff but it really isn't yeah, there was a point in the movie too where he mentioned like they'll just send another one, and then they're like, "Well, who? Who's going to send another one?" And he yeah. says, "Me." Yeah, and Frank Langella has that like crazy, awesome line that I I love, where he he says like lightning reaches temperatures that you know, five times hotter than the sun. Mm-hmm. And and then Norma, uh, who, who is Cameron Diaz, says, like, so you were struck by lightning. And he says, now I am communication with those who control the lightning. And it's like, that's such a crazy good line. But it's like, who are they? Like, can I get some... Can I, can I get, like, some type of glimpse of who they are? Oh, and, who was that Greek god that... Through lightning, uh, uh, Zeus. Oh, I was talking Percy about. Jackson. It might be. I'm, I'm not familiar with my Greek gods, mm. but Percy Jackson, the lightning thief. I remember that. Well, that's that's the the weird thing where <laughs> it's like I don't know. I don't know if you noticed, but they they show this like painting in the movie multiple times. Did you notice it? No, I don't think so. Okay, so it it's it's in here three times in particular. Um, it's in the basement when Norman oh, wait, and Arthur that are group photo. No, no, it's uh-huh. like an actual painting. Uh, it's in the basement. They show it twice in the basement where it's they're they're talking about how the box has no type of like transmitters in there to kind of just like to kind so pretty much no one would know who pushes the button or if they push the button because uh-huh. there's nothing in it like you push the button and it's like how would anyone even know if you push it there's a painting on the wall behind them and it's like in a series of 14 paintings and pretty much from what i gathered it's a painting of I think his name's Galilad or something like that. Uh-huh. He he is pretty much uh, walking to the throne, and he is the one to uh, like he's technically the chosen one, I guess to put it simple. Like he's the chosen one, and he's going to be the one to discover the Holy Grail. Is what the the series of paintings is. Oh, okay. So it. It's it's in it's in that scene and there's a quote under it that says any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. This is a quote from Arthur C. Clarke. So I think the quote is like kind of just making the science behind what's happening make sense because there's mm-hmm. nothing in the box. There's nothing in the box to to know that someone pushed it. But the quote says, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So, like, 
the science is so advanced that it might as well be magic. And Arthur says this in the scene where he's shown, like, the three water gates. Like the, the gateways, they call them. Oh, yeah. The three pillars of water. Like, he looks at them and he just says, indistinguishable from magic. So, I think it's kind of just an excuse to, like, have the science behind it not make sense. <laughs> like, uh-huh. it's like, it's like, okay, here's what's happening, and it's so advanced that it might as well be magic, so it doesn't make sense, just go with it. Hmm. Uh, but the painting is also shown in the scene where uh, Walter, the son, and Dana go down into the basement to look at the Mars collection. Mm-hmm. And then it's shown in the library when uh, when Arthur is like he runs into Arlington Stewart's wife, and he's brought to the gateways. The painting is in the library too. So I, I think since the painting is showing that somebody is the chosen one, I don't know if it's implied that like Arthur or Norma might be the chosen one. But I don't know, because the painting's in it three times, so I, I think it means something. What do you think? Yeah, it probably does mean something. I would probably lean Arthur being the chosen one, since how the events played out. Yeah. And, like, the ending does kind of leave a lot to interpretation to, like, what happens to them. Um, we'll, we'll get there later, but it's like, Arthur should be going to prison, but he's placed in a black car instead of a police car. <laughs> so I don't, think, I don't think he's going to prison. Yeah, I don't think, I don't know where he's going, though. So, I don't know. Um... There's also a couple other things that I would like to kind of point out too. But we'll we'll get to them as we go through the go through the movie a bit. So, uh, would you like to uh, kind of begin our walkthrough of the box, and mm-hmm. we'll kind of point out like where it lost us, where it like you know kind of jumped to, jumped the shark a little bit, and yeah, you know, it was. Yeah, so the beginning of the movie, there's like text on the screen. It tells us that Arlington Stewart, who worked for NASA, was uh, pronounced dead and was resuscitated on July 24th. And he has been, uh, I guess he kind of has been using NASA technology to create a device that Uh no one really knows what it is, but he's delivering it to people's houses. Uh, for some reason, no one is questioning this. They're kind of just like, let me do it. <laughs> well, here, you might as well deliver this weird technology. Yeah. I don't know. It just says the box of unknown origin, and it's like more details will be revealed soon. And I remember the first time I watched this, I thought it was going to kind of turn into like the Donnie Darko director's cut, where they kind of like ruin the movie and there's like text on the screen that pops up to kind of hold your hand and to tell you what telling you what's going on. Oh yeah. Like the theatrical cut of Donnie Darko doesn't do that. It just kind of plays out the director's cut. I remember for some reason they added in like uh scripture from the book to kind of make it make more sense. And I think it ruins the yeah, movie and kind of like, 
I think I watched that version first. Yeah, you did, because I remember I was showing it to you, and I was like, if you're confused, let me know. And, like, from the get-go, it kind of tells you that, like, it involves time travel, and, like, this is an alternate dimension, and then we're going to go back in time at the end of the movie. And, I don't know, I think it takes... No confusion to be found, because it kind of gives you everything. Yeah, and I think it takes away from the experience, but, you know, here... It might have been nice to see like some text to see what Arlington Stewart was up to or whatever, but it only happens once. Well, kinda, because Southland Tales has Justin Timberlake kind of, kind of telling you what's going on. So, you know, something like that might have helped too. It seems like in both of his movies, Richard Kelly kind of decided to walk people through it if they were confused but here it's like we're given the information one that, at the beginning the one that needed it the most <laughs> didn't yeah. have it although some some might say the Southland Tales needed it the most so I'm, I'm not really sure well this one wouldn't have needed it if it had stayed tame yeah yeah it, to the point where it jumps the shark yeah okay so a box of unknown origin is dro- is dropped off to Norma and Arthur's house, and it's delivered at five forty five. We're in the go ahead holiday season now. Yes, we're in the holiday season. Um, it's delivered at five forty five a.m. Uh, they don't really say why that time matters. Like it could be a coincidence. Like it, it it's like when the clock. Directly when the clock hits 5.45 is when it goes off. So it's just kind of weird why, why that happens. They never say like what 5.45 means. It just kind of happens. So I, I don't know. But uh, there's a, a box in inside the box, and it says that uh, Mr. Stewart will call upon them at 5 p.m., so, you know, mm-hmm. we're not given any type of, like, information yet, but... Let's hope everybody's home at 5 p.m. Yeah, it turns out. <laughs> only Norma is home at 5 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... And she she's... So so Cameron Diaz is doing it the most. Like, when she feels like doing the... the not the British accent. The Southern accent. She has taken this thing for a walk. Mm-hmm. Then she kind of like falls out of it, and there's a couple scenes where like her and the son Walter are like really doing the southern accent, but then it's like doing later the on, most. They kinda, yeah. But then like later on, it's like they kind of just forgot they were supposed to be doing it. So yeah, I don't know. It just it's it's just kind of weird. What um, movie? I can't remember what it is right now, but but yeah, they were doing the same thing. The accent was jumping up and up and down whenever they decided to do it yeah yeah um so one thing i want to draw your attention to is apparently this family is in financial turmoil okay oh yeah i put i think um you're gonna say the same thing i was thinking okay i'll I'll let you say it go ahead so (laughs) i know she's a teacher and I know teachers don't um, necessarily have the best wages, but her husband, Arthur, he 
<laughs> works for NASA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, he works, works for NASA. Yeah, he works for NASA. And they make a comment, or he makes a comment that he's already living check to check. Not only does he work for NASA, he pretty much designed the camera that they're using for a mission to Mars. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And he's designing stuff to help um, to help his wife with her limp. Yeah. So like he's a, he's a pretty much a vital piece of the NASA trip. Help design the camera. There's no way he's working check to check. But it's like he's working it in a store or something. Yeah. They they treat him like he's just he just like has a normal job, but like he's working for NASA. And he and designed the camera. So at a discount. Well, it was at a discount. Yeah, it was at a discount, but not anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Plus, Arthur's driving a sports car, and Norma oh, yeah, he has points out. <laughs> yeah, and Norma points out that he's. It's like too soon for him to have a midlife crisis. So, I don't know. It's just kind of yeah, bizarre. They are living. They're living very lavish, yet they are living check the check. Maybe that's why. They they do kind of co- they, they do kind of cover it up because they say that their spending habits are bad are bad. Yeah, but that but, bad. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I, I feel like this family should be well off. Um, I guess. One quick thing that I want to point out is the parents in this movie are uh, pretty much carbon copies of Richard Kelly's actual parents. Um, his, his mother had an x-ray incident with her foot and I guess lost four of her toes, which is what happens to uh, Norma in the movie. And his dad worked for NASA and helped design the camera for the Mars trip in 1976. So, oh, okay. So they, they so I, I don't know. Maybe it's funny because I was gonna say they really don't care much about their kid until they have to, until the plot makes them. <laughs> That's true. They they are they, they cannot care less about this kid. It's like they kind of just leave him with the babysitter for oh, the first the first seventy five percent of the movie. Sometimes um, seeming alone <laughs> until. They have to care about him. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe he did grow up in like financial turmoil a bit. Yeah. But but I don't know. Like I kind of doubt that this family would be in this much financial turmoil that they actually are. But regardless, they are. Uh, they're they're losing the the discount for Walter to uh, be in his private school. So Walter is going to have to go back to normal school. <laughs> I thought they took the discount away because she showed her foot. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't think that's the case. But <laughs> It's not, but I thought it was for a second. I was like, wait, did they just do that because she showed her foot? Because she was bullied into doing it? Yeah. But, but no. So an interesting thing about this scene where she's kind of bullied into showing her foot, they're talking about the play No Exit, which I kind of looked into a little bit. And 
it's pretty much like people spending like trapped in a room and they're kind of like in hell pretty much which is why it's called no exit because there's no exit mm-hmm. for what they are and oh, it's like short film heck yeah yeah that was terrifying yeah um but they say that hell is other people seeing you for who you really are and then that's where norma kind of has to reveal her disfigurement i guess to the class mm-hmm. because she like i guess walks with a limp and one of the students like bullies her into um, you got to practice you preach yeah or practice I guess. With your teeth. yeah well i like it <laughs> but you know m- much like the painting that I was just describing, No Exit, is also brought up a few times in this uh, in this movie because it's also the oh, yeah. play. It was on their car later on in the movie. Yeah, someone writes it on their car, and it was also the play they went to that um, is in a, a few scenes from now. So, yeah, that that keeps coming back as well. Um, I think that might kind of play into like the purgatory aspect of this story possibly mm-hmm. uh, so yeah there's a press conference for like this Mars mission and we learned that uh, the NSA the National Security Agency I think it's what it is is uh, at the Langley Research Center and I guess that's like cause for alarm I guess <laughs> I guess now how do you um, feel about that side plot uh, versus like what like which one all of that like the whole um nasa and mars stuff um but me personally I, think... I don't really care for it too much like i feel like it's not totally necessary well once it ties into like the rest of the story i'm fine with it like I honestly, I honestly don't care. It's one of those things where the movie slows down a bit when when it's brought up. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't mind it, like once it ties in. But like, yeah, I, I don't care to see like him designing this thing for Norma's foot. I don't care, like that he got denied <laughs> the astronaut trip because of his psychological exam. Yeah. Even though, like, he failed the psychological exam, but, like... You know, I could see it. He, I, I was going to say, I, I feel the opposite, where it's like, he, I, I can't see it. Like, he seems, like, fairly level-headed, you know what I mean? Kind of. So, I, I don't know. Like, well, I guess when the, movie, when the movie progresses, you can kind of see it. Yeah. I don't know, because... I'm kind of fine. Pretty much I'm fine with the NASA stuff, I guess. Like, I, I'm... I guess I don't hate it as much as you do. Like, I honestly think it would have worked more if the payoff was better. Uh-huh. And, like, if it tied in. If it tied in at the end better. But I think it's just because a lot of the revelations in this movie aren't fully... Like, they're not really revelations because they stop, like, halfway. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? See, I'm, I'm like, one for, like, a sci-fi type of movie. You know, like, Alien or 
the sequels like Prometheus and Alien Covenant, stuff like that, or like Cloverfield. Okay. I think stuff like this and like Ad Astra, for example, stuff like that, I'm not so much into. Well, that's that's kind of the interesting. It's interesting you mentioned Prometheus because there's like a whole side plot in Prometheus where like the engineers and the people that created us actually don't like us and are trying to expedite our extinction. Yeah. And and like that's kind of what they're getting at here, but we just never see who they are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I envision them looking like the um aliens in falling skies. The tall ones. Okay. Even if they looked like the engineers. What, what, is, what, is um, they, what are they called us? I don't remember, but... Yeah, I can't remember. Even if they looked like engineers in Prometheus, like that would be something. I feel like that's kind of where this movie's lacking. Um, mm-hmm. Is like a, a big payoff like that. Or like even, it, like even if it was Falling Skies, like the aliens in that... Even if there was a big payoff, and it's like we see that revelation, like that's that's something. You know what I mean? Or we just see one just for a minute. <laughs> yeah, like, like anything, but not like, like um, Overfield Paradox, where your whole movie relies on one scene. But no. like, yeah, if they showed them, like at the end. Because I know they showed like all the workers going to like this light, and he said they were being tested. They could have showed them in that part, and then you're like, "Oh, what's yeah, that? yeah." Like I'm, I'm telling you, there's like a, a sci-fi gold mine right here that is just <laughs> so un, untapped into, and it's like if you just kind of focus, like I don't know, I don't. I, Unless they, I, they honestly, didn't want to do that. Because I feel like if you did show that, then this um, alien's going to be like the poster for the movie, and it's only going to be in one scene. I don't know. You you could very well ruin the movie if that doesn't pay off. But I would yeah. rather see. I would rather see them go for something like that than kind of just do like a half reveal and keep hinting that like Arlington Stewart has employers that want to cause extinction on earth but uh-huh. yeah i don't know i don't know it's i don't know it it it's it's just so un, un unfulfilling i guess would be the word for it yeah it, i don't know um all right so yeah we learned that uh the the student discount is being taken away from norma and this is our our first I don't know why that's funny to me. It's really not funny, but it's just they have the money. Yeah. I, I think know. it's the NASA job like he has the money. Yeah. But that's but why this is funny. the first but this is the first time that we see uh somebody somebody get a nosebleed because it's the head of school who has the nosebleed. Oh, yeah, everybody that has a nosebleed is like an employee or something. Yeah, yeah, they're an employee of whoever. And they try to explain the nosebleed, and I think it's like an invasion of the body snatchers type situation 
where they kind of body snatch people that already exist. Because mm-hmm. at first I thought at first I thought that these people were already aliens, but I think yeah. I think they like the head of school, for example, like I think he was probably just head of school, but then once the family got wrapped up in this situation, then yeah, he was just a just gu- guilty by association, I guess, was dragged into yeah. it. Um, they try to explain the nosebleeds a little bit. Um, they, whoever these people are, they can't fully tap into humans without them noticing, and the nosebleeds are kind of what happens. I, it seems like when the nosebleeds happen, like the people kind of snap back to reality. Yeah. But I don't know. Although the babysitter, she's like a part of that too, but it almost seemed like she was trying to help them. And the woman in the grocery store. Yeah. You know, it, it <laughs> it's funny because she just dies. <laughs> <laughs> the woman in the grocery store just dies out of nowhere. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. They never really say that the babysitter, uh, who is Dana slash... It's revealed that Dana slash she, Sarah. Yeah, she has a alter ego named Sarah. It's revealed she said that they both told them, like, don't trust anybody or something. I don't know if she is helping them because she kind of has like that that like uh, board with like she was following the family. You know what I mean? Hmm. I don't know if she's helping. I mean, maybe she was helping because she's cool with the kid or something. Like the kid's primary breaker, so <laughs> maybe. All right, so Arlington Stewart arrives. He has come to town. Um, he arrives and he has a key to open up the box, and he reveals a button. Okay. Now I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Norma or Arthur. Now. Oh yeah, this is the big question of the day because I was going to ask you the same question. Yes. So. If you're given the chance at $1 million guaranteed if you push this button, but somebody in the world who you don't know will die, do you do it? Well, here's the thing. (laughs) I feel like 99% of people would press it, first of all. So you can't sit here and be like, oh, I wouldn't press it. Okay. Because I don't want someone to... Like, come on. Okay. Um, the world, the world is a selfish place. Unlike what Karen said in Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I'm gonna say yes, I would press it, but I don't think I would have tried to research the man afterwards or try to find out who he is or track him by his license plate. Or go to the police. I probably wouldn't do any of that. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm conflicted by this. Um. <laughs> so it's like. Okay. Also, you made me look like the bad guy. No, no, <laughs> I I understand. No, <laughs> I totally understand what you're saying because I I would be tempted to push the button. 
I probably would. Like, it's the aftermath in which I would not want to deal with. Okay, which yeah. is now, which is something that like you would know in hindsight. Because like, if I'm just okay. if I'm if I'm given the chance like up front, I'm like, you know what, I'll probably do it. But then it's like you see what the family goes through, and it's like, oh, I don't want to deal with any of that stuff. So like, hi- no, like I don't hindsight's twenty twenty, but. If you're asking me like the first time I seen this movie and at this point I would push the button. <laughs> so mm-hmm. okay. do you think that everything would have happened like that if you wouldn't have called the police? Um, yeah, I do. Because it happened to the other family, like the Jeffrey Carnes family. Oh yeah, with the kid in the bathroom. Yeah, and he. Well, yeah, I would. I wouldn't be prison because I'm not married and I don't have a child. So. Well, that's yeah, true. Um, Darn it. <laughs> yeah, I have a dog. Well, okay, so that that that's a that's a, that's interesting. You point that out because I <laughs> didn't even think of that. That they they pretty much say that this is all happening because he called the police or contacted the police or whatever. But then it happened to the other family who yeah. didn't call the police. So. Or they might have called the police too. We just don't know. Yeah, true. True. I don't know. Now the next family, I know we don't see it, but that woman was too happy to press it. Oh. <laughs> Unlike Arthur and Norma, because they were like hesitant and they were like, and then she presses it, and then she's like, "Oh God!" <laughs> well, they, well, they pretty much waited until time was up, because they were like, "You have to yeah. five p.m. tomorrow to push the button." That woman, that woman, she got the box and she pressed it. Yeah, right away. Yeah. So I don't know. This movie also does a weird thing where it's like they make sure to tell you that the wife is always the one that pushed the button. And it's like, are you implying that women <laughs> are more selfish than men? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it feels like that. Oh yeah, because the before, during, and after was the woman each time. Yeah, because Jeffrey Carnes' wife pushed it, and then Norma pushed it, and then, like you said, the other one is too happy to push it, pushes it. So I don't know. <laughs> it, it it's weird. Um, but yeah, I would probably push the button. Hmm. And then if, if I had to go through anything like remotely close to what's happening to this family and like I learned that like I was being tested by like otherworldly beings, I would just kill myself. I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah, just 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 an, an easy act to be like, I'm, I'm not dealing with that. I'm not dealing with that at all. Well, knowing this movie, you can't do that. Yeah, true. Somehow it won't work. Do they say that? No, but I feel like it probably would oh. not work just based on the yeah. movie and the sci-fi-ness yeah, of it. But yeah, they press the button. They get the money in the suitcase. And then this is where the threats start. Because he was like, I guarantee you that the next person that gets this box will be somebody you don't yeah. know. And then they're just like... <laughs> he says it like so crypt- cryptically, where it's like, oh, 
Mm-hmm. And the the way he also delivers that line where uh, I think Cameron Diaz asks him, "Did someone die?" He's just like, "Of course." Just just keeps it moving, like. Yeah. 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 So they they try to uh, cancel, <laughs> especially. Now, if he said that right away, or if he said that first, I wouldn't have pressed it. Or. Well, oh yeah, well, something like that. It's weird because, like, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. I don't know. I, I get what you're saying, though. Um. All right. Yeah. So it's funny how prior to them pushing the button, there's just like a lot of scenes of them kind of like sitting around debating on pushing the button. I'm sitting, sitting with the box yeah, in between them. There's like a lot of scenes of that. Um, they go to see the no exit play. We see that someone's watching them, uh, which is another hint that like there's more to this than just pushing a button and killing somebody. Um, I also like it's almost like right after she pushes the button, we cut to a 911 call, and there was a shooting at an apartment. And like, the, there's like this like panicked neighbor. <laughs> who says that somebody ran in and shot the girl and then left in a suitcase with a suitcase. But like, that's weird because it was the husband who did it. So it's like, yeah, he didn't run out. And it's, it's like, how did did the neighbor not realize that it was the husband that ran out? And like, you know, I, I know obviously like you don't necessarily know what your neighbors look like all the time, but still, like you would like yeah. she she probably you would assume she would have had to, to see him there before and be like oh it, it was the guy <laughs> who lived there that shot it that shot her but she plays it she plays it off yeah. as if it was just like some assassin or something <laughs> but and that makes you think that that's what the movie is like an assassin will come kill you when somebody else presses yeah, the button and i mean i think that's probably why it's played off as somebody came in and shot her, but uh-huh. all right. So, so far I'm just going to say, I'm still on board with the movie and I like what we're doing so far. Yeah. So far. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Let's push on. <laughs> all right. Oh yeah. So go ahead. they go to this wedding rehearsal dinner and how dare you have a wedding around Christmas? That was an odd choice. Very odd choice. Because they have they have the wedding rehearsal, and then they have a secret Santa at the dinner. Yeah. Like, you people are rich. Well, it's... So, I, I don't know if this is... <laughs> like, everybody here... Everybody here already has a million I don't know dollars. If, I don't know if this is what the movie's doing, but I think it's kind of, like, showing you that humans don't have free will or it's like a test of free will you know what i mean because because so. like what are the odds of arthur picking the one present that is just a picture of arlington stewart's face you know what i mean i think he, i think he chose it because it was the same box like the one he has he had gotten with the other box okay 
So it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose this because it looks like that. And I'm curious. Okay. Imagine if somebody else picked it and somebody else went. That's what I'm saying. Picked it. And then that's they got what I'm the saying. Like, They're like, oh, who's this? Like, movie? I think, I think this movie is saying a lot that like our fates are predetermined. Possibly. Maybe I'm thinking yeah. too much into it. Or maybe, maybe the movie's just doing this. a bad job at kind of explaining it. But, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I also like how they play it off because yeah, fate, fate. Huh? fate never That's changes. Right. Um, <laughs> I like how uh, Arthur plays it off, like this gift. He's like, "Oh, it's it's just an inside joke." He's like, "I'll let your minds run wild with what this picture could be," <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> I, it's like I can't even imagine what some of these people That's... are thinking this picture is. <laughs> Like it, it probably would have been safer to show them the picture and be like, "Oh, I don't know who this is." Keep it moving. Some man. Oh yeah, because they were told not to tell anybody, or they don't get yeah. the money. Yeah. Um. There's also the student from earlier that bullied Norma. He's also at the rehearsal dinner, and he holds up a peace sign. Oh yeah, he's the yeah. waiter. Hold up. The peace sign does yeah. come back, and me, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have realized. No, I, I wouldn't either. I think they they show it, or like Arthur holds up a two or something. I think that's what it is. It's like it happens like three times. Yeah, and it does come back. But me, I wouldn't have put it no, together. I wouldn't either. Or I would have been like, oh, everybody said two, so I'm not choosing two. Yeah, true. Um. <laughs> Yeah, they have to leave the rehearsal dinner because Arthur attacks the Arthur guy. Attacks a kid. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. He ends up attacking the the waiter from the the waiter slash student from earlier. And while Norma gets a call about her husband you, making contact, did you notice there's a shot? where there's a guy just kind of standing by the woods who flashes a flashlight at the party. What is that about? Yeah. I don't know. Just one of his watchers, I guess. Well, I thought... But there had to be some... I, I, I thought it was side. possibly like a signal at the waiter to guide Norma to the phone, maybe? Maybe. That's the only connection I made. But th this movie does create like a great sense of paranoia because it's like you don't know who the employees are, so it's like anybody could literally be an employee. Like this kid uh -huh. here, like his nose starts bleeding, and like it's not even because of the fight. And <laughs> <laughs> That's everybody else is gonna think this but... kid literally looks like he was pulled out of Donnie Darko. You know what I mean? Like he's the only yeah. one who looks like he's from that movie. Besides uh, Holmes Osborne, because like he looks the same in all three movies. But um, uh -huh. but yeah, it's like he was literally pulled from Donnie Darko. Even like his like cryptic lines that he delivers because <laughs> when Arthur is like beating him up, he's like, "You think it's funny to make fun of people?" 
and he says it's not funny it's tragic and it's like it's like yeah mm-hmm. it's a kind of a uh kind of a donnie darko line <laughs> but yeah his whole aura is donnie yeah. darko all right so we're about to jump the gun a little bit here so we're, we're getting to the point where we're jumping the shark not quite there yet, but we're getting there. Uh-huh. All right. So Arthur and uh, Norma go back home, and then Arthur agrees to take the babysitter Dana home, who also just kind of saw someone stalking the house, but didn't really care. <laughs> She's yeah. like, someone's watching the house. Let me let's let's go look in the basement. <laughs> Um, no. Now, I thought when I first saw it that she was doing that to like kind of protect uh, Walter. Like she uh-huh. sees someone watching the house, so it's like instead of scaring him and being like, "Oh my god, there's someone about to break in," she's like, "Why don't you take me to the basement and I'll we'll, we'll hide down there." Like she's using that as an excuse to hide in the basement. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But I think since she's an employee, she doesn't care that someone's watching. She's one of them. Or she knows she's not in yeah. danger. Which also begs the question, like, they already have an employee on the inside, so why do they have someone watching the house? In case she switches up. Maybe. <laughs> so, anyway. Because she did warn, warn him and tell him it's not safe for yeah. him there. I don't know. So it turns out that Dana is living in a motel. Uh, she kind of says that, like her and her mother are living in the in the motel, and I guess the motel is filled with Arlington's employees. Which you know, the, just mm-hmm. just the idea of that is like very interesting. I think I. I I love that like yeah. all of the employees are kind of just packed into this motel. And Oh yeah, that's that weird yeah. swimming pool. It's almost like kind of like an alien base, I guess you could say. But <laughs> yeah. it's also like outside and people could just like wander into it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like no one yeah. noticed that like these people are just staring at a pool and they go in it and disappear. Like, even <laughs> if this. Yeah, well, some it, innocent bystander just tries Even to if this in. was like an indoor swimming pool, it might make more sense. Can you imagine, yeah. like, a horror movie based on this motel where it's like you just check in as like a normal person? But it turns out, like, all the people in the motel are secretly alien species or taken over by aliens or whatever, and they're trying to get you. Can you imagine a horror movie based off that? That'd yeah, be really like that, good. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's, like, a gold mine of, like, content in this movie that is just not, ex- not expounded upon. Because, like, yeah. it, it could very well be that Dana and her mother are staying at the motel. Because we do find out when when she passes out, Arthur finds her ID, and she's from Boston. So, like, imagine if like her and her mother came from Boston, 
stayed in this motel and then were like body snatched. Like, yeah, I think that that'd be a good movie yeah. in its own right. Frustrating. <laughs> um, and like, <laughs> even like the shots of like the people watching Dana kind of go through the motel, like even those shots of like the creepy people watch it, like it's great. Like, mm-hmm. even though like Donnie Darko and Southland Tales deal with like apocalypse and the end of the world and whatnot, like this is Richard Kelly's scariest movie, I feel. Um, there, there are some like mm-hmm. creepy stuff in Donnie Darko, but like I think this is by far his scariest movie. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, we are kind of jumping the shark a little bit here. We see, like, the employees gathered around the pool and, like, doing something. Um, but I'm still on board at this point. What about, what about you? Yeah. I, I didn't fully leave okay. yet. <laughs> okay. Let me introduce you to this shot, though. We see Arlington Stewart standing in a wind tunnel okay <laughs> and it's implied mm-hmm. that this is his office <laughs> okay mm-hmm. so so yeah. arlington's employee um, employers i guess are purchasing more space from nasa uh they now want the uh the lunar lander or whatever it is pretty much they want more space at nasa um NASA has no choice but to agree to these conditions. They're not allowed to ask questions, but NASA employees will be involved in these tests, but in an undisclosed manner. Okay. (laughs) I'd be like, I quit. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So whoever this is now has access to the wind tunnel at NASA and like the lunar landing module. a, a, a bunch of stuff at this point. Uh-huh. And we do find out later on, like, why they try to, like, I guess, uh, adapt to to NASA facilities because they have access to, like, the FBI and the CIA and all that stuff. So it's like, I guess it'd be the higher-ups. So, whatever. Um, so we find out that the license plate that Arlington Stewart had is, is traced back to the national security agency. So like, obviously we know that like Mm -hmm. we're dealing with higher ups here. Um, there's a little bit more revealed about the Jeffrey Carnes case, which is the woman that was shot. So, um, you know, we pretty much learned that, like, he shot his wife. It was the husband who uh, killed the wife and locked or And the, the, their child was locked in the bathroom. OK. Mm-hmm. Which will come back later on. Yeah. We'll come back later on and we'll learn will. exactly how that happens. OK. Uh, Jeffrey mm-hmm. Carnes also used to work for NASA, too. So, like, a lot of parallels here between this family and uh, Arthur's family. 
So Norma is going grocery shopping. A lady runs in, tells her not to trust anybody, not even her husband. Uh, that doesn't really come back because Arthur I, is trustworthy through the rest of the movie. So I don't know why we're getting at that. Uh, what were you going to say? It's like she, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think he did anything bad the rest of the movie. It's like it, it, it almost teases you to think that Arthur is in on it or something, you know? Yeah. But yeah, this lady like falls over. Pretty much dies. Yeah. <laughs> and it's taken away. All right. Yeah. Uh, she's so she gives Norma like a library call number and Norma is to go to the library and then Arthur is on I guess he got his detective uh, father-in-law to take him to the Jeffrey Carnes crime scene where he is now stealing evidence and gets his own library call card call number whatever so mm-hmm. they're both no, this happened. That scene where she talked to him on the phone and said, asked if she could see him. And then he said he was standing in the backyard. And then it shows that shot of that random oh, man. Yeah. I thought that part was. Creepy. Yeah, we jumped over that. Um, yeah, like I said, like. Yeah, that was before yeah, the supermarket. It's like a great uh you know like sense of paranoia there's even a shot when norma answers the phone at the the wedding rehearsal and Mm -hmm. the waiter kind of like his nose starts bleeding and then he walks behind norma to go back to what he's doing but when he's walking you just see him kind of staring down norma and like i don't know just like some Pretty unsettling shots in this movie. But yeah, we, we did skip over the thing in the backyard, which is great. All right, so they both have library call numbers. Uh, they decide to go to the library, which we learn is another another place that is filled with employees. Mm-hmm. Um. Norma gets led to it. Like the whole, yeah. Uh, Norma is led to a tape of Arlington before the accident, but like, why? <laughs> you know what? I guess I don't know. Just to see what he looked like before. Pretty much maybe. what it is, because like, it's like what. I don't know. Like he's just kind of like in it. It's it's just footage of like NASA doing stuff. Like they're not. It'd be different if it was like something going on with the box or something, but it's not that. Okay. So I don't know. That's yeah, just a random, random face shot of yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. Um, Arthur. He ends up finding like a book that has to do with like lightning or whatever. And there's like a newspaper clipping in there that says something about Arlington's accident, but it's like, why is that there too? You know what I mean? Like why? Yeah. I think this 
movie right here, like this is where the disconnection okay. starts. I think I'm on board with you there because this is where we're introduced to like the hard sci-fi stuff that, you know, like while it is interesting on paper, it doesn't really play off or pay off well. But yeah, I think uh-huh. I think from I think the library is probably the disconnect for me too. Um, now there are some great shots of like all these employees sitting in the library because there's like a hundred of them and they're all in yeah. sync and everything. Yeah, and like that stuff is great. And we meet Arlington's wife, so like Arthur is meeting with uh, Climony, I think is her name, who is Arlington's wife. And then Norma is meeting with Arlington herself or himself. Um, so it's like this is where the painting is seen in the library of like uh, Arthur being the chosen one or whatever. And this is where this is where yeah. Norma is talking to Arlington about like his accident, and he says, "Now I am in now I'm in communication with those who control the lightning." And it's like they're, you know, like, like, what? <laughs> so if I'm seeing this for the first time, which this is like the third time I've seen this movie, if I'm seeing this for the first time, I'm like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. we're in for quite the journey now, because like now we're introduced, we're introducing like an alien species or like demons or something, you know, like who, contr- and who controls that. the lightning, you know, <laughs> like that's interesting. But yeah, yeah there's. Can't wait to yeah. see that. <laughs> Can't wait to see this payoff. And it's like, nope, nope. <laughs> it's not. No, you will not be not seeing coming. it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so starting to lose us a little bit. Okay. So mm-hmm. Arthur is introduced to three gateways, which are just like pillars of water, which are indistinguishable from magic. I want to throw in here. So, uh-huh. okay. So two of these gateways lead to eternal damnation, and the other one is like salvation. And it, yeah, and he, and he remembers everybody holding up the peace sign at the wedding rehearsal. So he chooses gateway number yes. two. It's also funny how he like tries to talk him talk his way out of it. He's like, "Well, what if I just don't choose?" <laughs> They're like, "Eternal damnation." <laughs> Like also, you gotta choose. So it's like three fourths. (laughs) There's one fourth chance you're gonna get salvation. Yeah. So here's what I want to ask: Did he reach eternal damnation, or did he reach salvation? Because they, well, I I like the white light and everything. But then he like came out the other end and was like introduced to like a terrible situation. So I don't. I, I think he still ends up choosing salvation. I thought he said it was peaceful or something. Okay. Okay. Hate us day. <laughs> because I thought he was wherever he was going was the destination like it, it wasn't like because i know him being in there was peaceful and all that then it's like 
Uh-huh. So it's like he knows where he's going when he dies is the idea. Maybe. Yeah, we're we're, we're losing it now. <laughs> or should I say? Well, he, maybe because he's he's not the one that pressed the button. Okay, true, true. Okay. Now, if he did press the button, he would have been the one to get shot. And she even said, "Can I be saved?" Or something, or is there redemption, something like that? Yeah, yeah. And he gave—I forget, but he gave her like a backwards answer. Yeah, it's like, um, I can't remember what it was, but yeah, it was like, it was almost like a jigsaw type answer where it's like the choice is yours. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and she already made the choice, so. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so uh, Tin asks Norma to take his hand, like faint, and then um, um, Arthur goes and he is like floating over the bed in a pillar of water that floods the home and does no damage to it. <laughs> yeah, just flickering yeah, lights. Yeah, and a when I'm bit. talking about water, it's like crazy amount of water um that scene was really fun to film though yeah yeah because they're like laying on the bed and then the water comes yeah pouring i'm on. curious to see like the behind the scenes of like how that was made but yeah it does no let's get like this huge water tank and just like all right we're gonna dump it on them yeah. right now <laughs> um I, I want to backtrack a little bit. So the, the quote you were talking about that Arlington gives her when she asks, can she be saved? He says, there are two ways to enter the final chamber, free or not free. The choice is ours. Which is a quote from the, uh, it's like a kind of a modified quote from the author of No Exit. So. Hmm. But yeah, the water's flooded, or the home is flooded. No damage is done except for water being everywhere. You know, all this water on like the wood floors that they have in this home destroyed. Yeah. Now they have to use their million dollars to yeah. repair their house. So, yeah, pretty much. Um, so I want to draw your attention to uh, a little bit of, uh, uh, I guess, character development here that is uh, kind of dumped upon us where two employees from NASA are kind of talking about Arlington Steward and we learn that Arlington died uh, the night that he was struck by lightning. He was placed, he, he was mm-hmm. at the morgue and he was placed in like one of those, I guess, beds with like the wooden or like the metal doors. One yeah. of those morgue things. And <laughs> I guess somebody heard him laughing and he was brought back to life and he was laughing about it. If I got, I was in one of those. The last thing I'd be doing is laughing, but like, that's something I want to see. You know what I mean? Like that should be in the movie. Like that, that would be a, a, a nice flashback to kind of flesh out the character a bit, but I don't know. So, uh, we we learn that 
the the answer to the test is to not push the button, and that would be the way to, I guess, move on. But then Arlington says there will be more tests, so it's like even if, even if you don't push the button, you go on to more tests. So it's like, what are we doing? Um. Yeah, I'd be mad. Like that's part one of like yeah. ten. And Arlington says that he just relays the results of the test to his employers. And he's asked, like, why do we use a box? And um, he says that, like, we spend our, like, our, our homes are a box. Our car is a box with wheels. When we die, we're placed inside of a box. So it's like, it, it's just kind of like human nature for it to be a box. Um, he also... And it's the title of the yeah, movie. Uh, he also says that um, that uh, if humans can't put aside their needs for the greater good of their species, then whoever these people are will expedite the extinction. So it's like, all right, what? It, okay, and it's like that would be you know species I would like to see. <laughs> um. Yeah, me too. So we cut as we said. We we cut to the big wedding. And uh so who is even getting married? Is is it is it Holmes Osborne being married? It has to be somebody I thought it was someone in the family, but I don't Yeah, they I never remember. They never actually like show who's getting married. They just hype up this wedding for the whole movie. Um, it's Christmas wedding, I guess. Regardless, uh, Jeffrey Carnes is hiding at the wedding and holds Arthur up to gunpoint and kidnaps him. And Jeffrey Carnes has access to, like, I guess, a secret government book, which is another information dump here. Um, this is where we we learn that uh, these things can't get into your head without you noticing, and whatever this is embedded itself at, at the Langley Research Facility because it has the FBI, CIA, and NASA at its disposal, and it's pretty much just an information dump. Like I paused the movie to like read a little bit what was in the book, and it was uh -huh. like pretty much says that. The box is made to be deceiving, so like it doesn't have anything in there for the purpose of people thinking that the box won't do anything. Like how they mentioned that there's not transmitters or anything in there. Like it, it's made like that yeah. on purpose to deceive the the test subjects, and only the mother and father can push the button. Uh, no one else can because it knows who pushes it. Just things like that. There's just just. Some information dump in here. Oh yeah, just in case you get somebody to press it for you and be like, "Hey, I'm gonna rope you in on this little little thing. If you press this button to kill somebody, I'll give you." Yeah, no, it has ten thousand dollars. Be the mother and the father to push the button. So that's cool that they have, like cover plot holes too, because you could be like, "Well, why can't we just tell somebody else and then they secretly press it?" Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, they they did kind of cover some stuff. Um so Walter is also kidnapped at this wedding. So it's like just just a wedding of 
a couple kidnappings, pretty much. Um, he, he, you know, so, so, okay, so this is weird. So Walter is pretty much taken to the swimming pool only to be brought back to the bathtub in his home. Okay. Uh-huh. And there's this scene where there's like a Santa Claus standing in the road and Walter and Jack. Because we have forgot. <laughs> yeah, this is just your reminder that this movie takes place around the holiday season. I will say the movie does have a really good, um, a really Christmassy feel to it the whole time because like decorations yeah. and stuff. The plot might not tell you it's a Christmas movie, but it strongly feels yeah, like and one. like they like the snow and everything too. Like it, it's it's it yeah, yeah it's it just like filled with Christmas aesthetic. Um, but yeah, they almost hit the Santa Claus, so they stop in the middle of the road, and then a plow hits the 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 car. Okay, we jump ahead a little bit. Uh-huh. Which revealed there was only one survivor, and there was nobody else found in the in the car. Okay, despite what we saw, for some reason, we cut to the Langley Research facility okay it's getting raided it's getting Uh raided and arthur comes out of it for some reason we we never see what happened to him in there we never see why he was there we never see who brought him there so it's like what was even the point of this and i dozed at this part so i was like oh my god i missed something and i did i know we watched the movie in july but i was like oh i missed something so I'm like trying to find the spot I missed. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> it's like literally not in the no, movie. No, it's not. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So we're moving on a little bit. Norma, who her husband's gone, her son was just kidnapped, quietly arrives home with Arthur. Okay. And I'm I'm telling uh-huh. you, it, it's almost like they cut out like a half hour of side plot here, where it's like she should be like, yeah, because they could have showed they should have showed him in the research place, and then she should be like, oh my god, my kid's gone. Yeah, and he's even told like Arthur is even told like from here on out for the rest of the movie, your decisions will have greater ramifications than you could ever imagine. Okay, and it's like, well, like, what are we, like, what are we doing? Because we never see that either. No. Literally, the well, the final decision that we're gonna get to in a moment. Okay, yeah. But, but yeah. All right. So <laughs> nothing. So Norma and Arthur quietly arrive at home to see Arlington Stewart sitting at the table, and he kind of lectures them and is like. You guys gave me hope. I just wish you wouldn't have pushed the button. So it's like, you know, I guess like he, like, you know, maybe he thought they wouldn't push the button, but then it turns out they did. Yeah, because he like, he, yeah, basically like he liked both of them and thought they were good people, but. Yeah, I don't know. But they pressed the button. There's 
that so like I don't know. There's the, there's that scene you talked about earlier here where uh, Arthur tries to shoot uh, Arlington, and he Arlington oh, yeah. is just like, if you shoot me, you'll be arrested for the murder of employee Arlington Stewart, and they'll just send another employer or employee to fill my spot, and things will keep moving on as he he finally asks who like who is sending sending a replacement and we don't know yeah and there's even the guy that works for nasa that says like it's a mystery who you're working for and arlington is just like i I like mysteries so it's like just just tell me something you know it's like they know what they're doing at this point. <laughs> it's like they they didn't even have an answer for what this was. So they just kept it kept it no. ambiguous. And you know, I, I hate being Which I'm all for. I'm all for ambiguity sometimes. Yeah. You know, random example, the movie old. I didn't need an explanation. No, but you got I got a full explanation. <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna say you got one, and yeah, that that you know, I don't know. Yeah, something like that, like that, for example. Yeah, I don't need an explanation. Something like this movie, though, might wanna, might need something. Yeah, and I hate being like this hard on it because because yeah. Richard Kelly is one of my favorite filmmakers of all time, and you know, like I, I this movie is you know, pretty good. And I like a lot of it and I don't think it, yeah, I don't think it warranted him being in director's prison since 2009. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I agree. So there's even like that shot of like people being transported to Boston for like the next series of tests. And it's like, we never see what that is. Oh yeah, his worker. Yeah, we, we never see what that is, but they say like if you feel a drowning sensation you won't pass. It's like what the like they can't even they can't even be <laughs> yeah, that's the part where I uh, That's the part where I thought they could have put um like these creatures or something there. Yeah. Like they're walking toward this and you see aliens or something. Yeah. But like, it's like, so if they feel like they're drowning while being transported, they already failed. Like, what kind of tests are you even running that like, you can't even get there without failing? <laughs> um, yeah, I would like to see it. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> uh, Norma and Arthur are given like one more decision they have to make. So turns out their son, Walter, is both blind and deaf. He's locked in the bathroom upstairs. And they can both kind of just live out the rest of their lives with the million dollars with a son who is blind and deaf. Okay? This decision sucks. The other decision (laughs) is that Arthur must kill Norma. He has to be the one to shoot her. And then their son, since she's the one, that yeah. The and the son's senses will come back, 
and the million dollars will be given to him once he turns 18. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that also doesn't happen because it's, it's hinted that Arthur and Walter are going to be like employees or something, you know? So it's like, he he isn't going to get the money. He's not going to get to live normal and Arthur isn't going to prison. So it's like, what are you telling me? <laughs> yeah. All right. I I do love the scene of uh Walter kind of like coming to his senses and realizing that like he can't see and hear. Like that's that's pretty haunting. But mm-hmm. But yeah. It sucks. I'm like um you can't make the decision to keep him blind and deaf. So we'll cut to the chase. Um, they decide that there is an afterlife because of the portal that Arthur transported himself through. And I guess Arlington kind of smiled when they mentioned like an afterlife because he already died previously. So it's like, they kind of hint that this is purgatory a little bit. So it's like, you know, there is something else after this and they decide that they'll get to be together when they die. So when they both die, so they might as well just move on, I guess. Might as well just shoot. But like, like you said, like you said earlier, for most of the movie, they don't even care about their son. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they don't pay much attention to them at all. Give the son to the state. You keep your money and live happily ever after. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> you give your blind and deaf son to the state. And that, that'd be that'd be horrible. <laughs> yeah, that, that that Yeah, they pretty much it's like it's like you can't choose to keep him blind and deaf. So you pretty much have to kill. Yeah, I guess. Kill yeah, I guess. Pretty much. All right. So yeah, they decide to. It's like one of those choices that's not a choice. Yeah. And I, I do like how we cut to another family, like you said, eagerly pushing the button at the same time that Arthur shoots Norma. <laughs> She was too happy to press it. And they said something. Did they say that it's only um, married couples with a kid that get Yeah, tested? that's what um, the lady at the grocery store tells her. That it's NASA um, employees that are happily married with one child. So, yeah. So this woman, one of them must work at NASA too, and they have a yeah. kid. Let's see how eager she is. She finds out you know, what has to happen. The, pl- you know, she'd be the one to be like, you know what, you know, the, the- she's going to be the one to be like, you know what, let's keep the kid <laughs> blind and deaf. Probably, um, and the police have to be growing suspicious at the amount of NASA employees that have shot and killed their wife with their child locked in the bathroom. <laughs> um, yeah, like what is going on at NASA? Like, if it happens twice, it's concerning. You know, it's like, 
And now it's going to presumably happen a third time and so on. Who knows how many times it's happened prior to that? Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Um, so Norma dies. It cuts to like the police showing up to the home, but then Arthur is placed in a black car and he's told that him and his son will be taken care of. And then like another creepy old man is behind Walter and we see yeah. Arlington arriving at another home, presumably to just keep the tests going. I love how he tips his cap and then the credits roll. Like it cuts to black as soon as he tips his cap. Like I, I love that. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's like I don't know. It's like you said. It, like we we talked about it a lot. It just kind of jumped the shark at one point, and you know. There's a lot here that I am left kind of dumbfounded by. And, you know, you know I'm someone who loves mm-hmm. Southland Tales, which is, you know, a lot of people are very confused by that upon first yeah. viewing. So it's like, because that movie's just so bonkers and wild that it, you know, it's kind of easy to follow once you kind of know what's going on. But here it's like, there's just so much here that is like, not fully fleshed out enough and it's just frustrating um you know like this movie is under two hours like the donnie darko director's cut goes over two hours southland tales goes two and a half hours like we could probably use two hours yeah like another 20 minutes or so like just something to to kind of flush flush out this third act a little bit more than what it did because, like, the first two acts, it feels like we're, like, hyping up this, like, epic ending, but we get more of, like, a dour ending, and, you know, which I'm fine with, because it's, uh-huh. like, very Twilight Zone-esque, which makes sense, because this was a Twilight Zone episode before this. Even the score, yeah. like, we're straight out of Twilight Zone, I yeah, like, like that a the, lot. Yeah, like, the haunting score, like, it's great. But, yeah, it's just, like... Frustrating, I guess. Like, you know, just uh, like the the uh-huh. third act is just, just like I still like the movie for the most part, but the third act is it's it like just needs more to it. Like, it's not it, it's not enough for yeah. what this movie hypes it up to be. So I don't know. It's just frustrating. It's very good though, and I want to see another Richard Kelly film. Um, <clears throat> I haven't read the script for this movie. But I guess the script was longer, and there was there were more sci-fi elements in here. So maybe things got cut out that should shouldn't have been cut out that served the uh-huh. plot better than not being in the movie. I don't know, but yeah, it, it's it's just frustrating. But. You know, two thirds of this movie is great, and then the the third mm-hmm. act kind of just makes it fall flat. So, you know, I I still gave it a positive score. I gave it three and a half stars on Letterbox. Yeah, even I think I really like do like the ending itself because it's like like a consequence to your actions type of thing. Like, oh, you guys were selfish, so 
no money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it's not even like the very ending that I don't like. It's, you know, like stuff. Yeah. Leading like, up to it. I get it because I like felt the, the same end, way. Like you, you can have this like heartbreaking, tragic ending, but it's like the whole stuff with Arlington. It, it, like it, it, it's just so untapped into for like the amount of stuff you tease and like mm -hmm. it, it, there's even like great shots where it keeps cutting back to Arlington kind of just standing in the wind tunnel. And it's almost, it's almost like he's yeah. looming over the movie as if he's like going to have like this major payoff, but he doesn't. And then it's revealed that he's just an employee too. So it's like, uh -huh. and we never get to see who is an employee yeah. of. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just uh, I don't know. It 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 it's kind of it it it's frustrating. But sorry, Richard Kelly. <laughs> it's far from. Bad. Yeah, it's far from bad. I think I do like Richard Kelly's work, and I still would like to see him direct let, something let's, else. Let's go with this, okay? You said it's far from bad. I'm gonna say. Far from bad and almost great. I think that's the perfect way to to, mm -hmm. to cap off yeah. this discussion. It's it's far from bad, but almost great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I and I want to and I want to I want to see like another it. Richard Kelly film. You know, David Robert Mitchell's coming back. He's another one yeah. that I thought was in director's prison after Under the Silver Lake. David Robert Mitchell's coming back. Let's uh. Now let's bring Richard Kelly back. Mm -hmm. Even if I had like, you know, if I was a millionaire or somebody, like if I'm Jeff Bezos or somebody, I'm like, I'm contacting Richard Kelly. I'm like, you know mm -hmm. what? Here's fifty million dollars. Go make yourself a movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like there's. I don't know. I wish like, be like this famous director and be like, trying to make this sci-fi spectacle and be like, I want Richard Kelly yeah, for this. Like, uh. What was that play from uh, Tick, Tick, Boom? Yeah. Oh, Superbia. Oh, yeah, I said in the Tick, Tick episode that he would have been a great yeah. choice for that. Yeah. Yeah, a Richard Kelly musical and it'd be yeah, Superbia. Because I, like I think plot, I don't think he ever finished it. Or there was like multiple different endings. Yeah. He could... um. It sounds Still perfect. The blanks. For, it sounds perfect, for Richard Kelly, considering he took this movie, took the plot twist from the Twilight Zone and the short story, and you know, did all of this with it. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. Vanessa Hudgens and Andrew yeah, Garfield. I like it. We're cooking now. <laughs> all right, but I think that's all I got for. We don't have the money. What's that? No, be like a millionaire too come up with this idea yeah <laughs> and not us and then maybe yeah someone wealthy but please <laughs> all right <laughs> um do you want to uh jump into our weekly recommendations yeah i'm pretty sure we have the same one we'll both be on board with the recommendation because i think i know what you're gonna say 
we'll we'll just both co-sign mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It's time to recommend some things you and me were recommending. All right, what would you like to recommend? I'd like to recommend the new release, Saltburn. Yes, that's what I'm going to recommend, too. The excellent movie. Probably the best movie of the year, I would say. Maybe. Yeah, it is uh... tough because I have like, four options, but I think I think I'm leaning towards Saltburn. Yeah, that it's my favorite movie of the year. Um, yeah, it's pretty much about this guy who is struggling to find who he is in college, and he gets drawn to this popular rich guy. And he becomes friends with him, and he gets invited to his family's estate to spend the summer with him. Yes. Um, yeah. And is it a wild ride? <laughs> uh, so yeah. I don't want to say too much about it, because it's still in theaters, but... Um, I think we plan on doing an episode yeah, on it too. That's why I'm kind of like holding back because whenever it comes to VOD, probably we'll uh, we'll do an episode on it mm-hmm. and we'll talk about it more in depth. But yeah, it's a it's a. I think I want to see it more yeah. time too. Um, it, it's directed by. I just got to get caught up. On. It's directed by Emerald Fennell. I think it's how you say her name. Um, now. Mm-hmm. I've heard some complaints about her. Uh, I haven't seen Promising. Oh, she... go ahead. I just about to say she did Promising Young. Yeah, Woman. I, I haven't seen that movie. I hate like the whole rape revenge subgenre, which I th- I think that's what that movie is. Um, kind of, sort of. That one's kind of wild too. It, is it like a rape movie? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Because she's getting revenge for okay. her friend. Yeah. And herself, but yeah, that movie. Oh, that movie okay, hurt. I, I didn't know you <laughs> saw that movie. Um, Yeah, so I was, that's like one of those movies where like the ending happens and you're like, it's like, it's hard to say because it's like happy ending, but not at the same time. Okay. All right. I'm like I'm a mixture of hurt and okay. Well, 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 that wasn't even yeah. my complaint. But I I haven't seen that movie. But whatever. But um, she wanted she mentioned making a Jurassic Park movie where a a human uh-huh. is married to a dinosaur. That was like the Shape of Water, but in the jungle and yes. a dinosaur. <laughs> Now, what kind of dinosaur is it? Is the I question. Have no idea. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. If it's a T Rex, I'll co-sign. All right, interesting. Uh, probably like a raptor <laughs> since they're like human size or close to it. But no, I'm just envisioning like a T Rex or like the one in the water or some something yeah. really unrealistic. Yeah. 
Oh, but is that why she's? Yeah, that that was one that people were complaining about, and you know, I. Then um, Chris coming through <laughs> all three movies unscathed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. Go check out Saltburn in theaters. My favorite movie of the year. My favorite movie of the year so far. So. Uh-huh. All right. So next week we are continuing the uh, holiday season. And what are we discussing next week? Well, I gave you two movies. Were you going to choose one of those as your movie? Um, I haven't even thought that far ahead. So. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna. Um. I guess we can do the okay. mean one. It's a Grinch horror. Okay. Movie. Unless upon rewatch, I absolutely hate it and don't want to talk about it. All right. We'll see. Right, so yeah, we'll be back next week. We'll be discussing the mean one. Silent Night Story. Yeah, Silent Night Deadly Night franchise on is on deck just okay. in case. Yeah. All right. Uh, did you have anything else for this episode? Um, no, I don't think uh, so. Um. All right. If you want to follow us on social media, you can on. Instagram, we are at Santamere After Dark. On Twitter, we are at Santamere AD Pod. And uh, please rate and review wherever you listen to the uh, the podcast. And until until next time, mm-hmm. I'm Jeremy. I'm Stephen, and curfew is now in effect. <laughs>